0: What is up you guys? You are tuning in to the Health Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Prestano, a personal trainer, nutrition coach, teacher, wife, dog mom to two, and mommy to be. Wow, that's weird to say. After too many years of playing it cool and trying to live up to society's standards, I decided it was time to share my voice. I hope that this is a place you will come to share your journey and to feel supported on your way. We'll talk all things health, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, and just some good old girl chat. Thanks for coming along. Let's get going. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to the Health Without Limits podcast. This week, I have a guest on. I have Brooke Miller. Brooke Miller is the face behind Nutrition for Mamas on Instagram, which I'll tag in uh, the show notes. But Brooke works with millennial moms and she helps with gaining confidence back with this new body you have. A lot of people will call it foreign. I haven't gone through the postpartum journey yet, but um, Brooke is definitely well versed in that. And I'm just really excited for you guys to hear this conversation today. She's a big fan of intuitive eating and big fan of not restricting calories, specifically carbs, not counting points and making things more complicated, especially in your postpartum journey. So whether you're a mom, mom mom-to-be, or not a mom, but somebody that has just really struggled with being on the diet train and finding something sustainable... I think you'll get a lot out of today's conversation. Make sure you check Brooke out on social media, and I will see you guys at the end. All right, so hey, Brooke, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I'm really glad we were able to connect and set this up.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: So to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How did you get into the health field? What do you do? All that good stuff.
1: Okay, so my name is Brooke Miller. I'm a registered dietitian. I've been a dietitian for about eight years. Um, I actually started as an exercise science major uh, for three years and then my senior year of college or junior year of college I got diagnosed with celiac disease and then I uh, transitioned to become a dietitian instead. Um, so I've always had a passion for exercise and for nutrition and I was actually a college athlete for a few years too. and. Then my first job out of college was helping prenatal or helping um pregnant and postpartum women with their nutrition um a lot of breastfeeding support i was a, i've been a certified lactation specialist so i spent a lot of time um, really helping breastfeeding moms specifically and then also infants and toddlers with their feeding and then um i did that for a few years and then For five years, I helped um, to feeding patients. So I really helped like patients gaining weight um, in the clinical field, a lot of cancer patients, ALS, head, neck cancer, um, Parkinson's, that kind of thing. So that for five years, uh, working from home and then COVID hit and I was like, okay, Um, they laid off like half of our staff. I wasn't laid off, but I did not feel comfortable (laughs) that I would have a job. So I'm like, you know what, Um, I have actually have a podcast called diet riot for about two and a half years and I told my um my co-host I'm like we should start a business like COVID hit I think this is our time we should start a business let's start a membership and she's like okay let's do it so we started a membership for women Um, it's all a a based on like intuitive eating and so we really help women heal their relationship with food and body in a membership community and so that's been going great and then i was like i need to get out of my job how can i work with more women how can i build build my own business and so i started um just taking on a postpartum women um i do have some clients that don't have kids yet but they are wanting to become pregnant so they want to be in a really good mindset before they get pregnant just because Postpartum can be a very tricky um, thing, especially in terms of body image. Uh, So if you're not doing the work now, it it can be a really challenging time. So I started um, working with women one-to-one, and I've been doing that for about seven months full-time. It's been wonderful. So I'm loving it. Um, It's it's so great. Most of the moms I work with have little, little kids. like They have kids under two. Um, So I can help with some breastfeeding support as well. But really, it's just making sure that moms are nourishing themselves, making sure that they're moving in a way, getting in their self-care. And most of the work we do is actually a a body image specifically and like identifying triggers and working through them and yeah, making sure that they're just in a good place mentally and physically.
0: That's so... I didn't even realize all of that was with your background. So it's so cool all that you bring to the table. And I like that you brought up the body image because... I mean, I, this is my first pregnancy, so I don't even know what postpartum will look like for me, but I've heard many women talk about how their body is almost foreign to them postpartum. And I, I mean, I can even feel that now things that are happening with my body are so foreign to me. And how do you, how do you support moms, you know, in kind of getting to know this new body and love and accept it?
1: Yeah, it's a process. Um, Body acceptance, body neutrality, body positivity. It's a journey. I always like to explain it like like a marriage, right? So our relationship with our spouse is super important, but it also takes time and energy to have a good marriage. We know that if we kind of let that go, if we stop working on it, there's issues that come up. So it's the same thing with body image. We're in a relationship with our body longer than we are with anybody else, right? Like we are in our body longer than, longer than we've known, you know, friends and family and even our spouse. And so it's so important that we're treating our body with respect every day. A lot of that comes with self-talk. So are you talking to yourself in a positive way or are you talking to yourself in a negative way? So a lot of my clients come to me and say, Every day I step on the scale and I say, I'm so bad. I'm so fat. There's something wrong with me. And they say things to themselves that they would never say to their best friend, things that they would never say to their spouse. That's a sign that, okay, you are not talking to yourself in in a way that you would talk to anybody else. That's the first sign that there needs to be some work done. Um, And I, I think a lot of people envision this quick fix, like, oh, I'll just like do this for a few weeks and I'll all of a sudden love my body and it's it's such a process so I would highly encourage anybody who hasn't had a baby yet or hasn't been pregnant yet to start doing this work way beforehand Um, I have some clients who are like trying to conceive now and they're at the place where they're excited and they're okay with their body changing Um, but had I not done this work and had I gotten pregnant I remember years ago thinking Oh, I'm going to have such a good body after I have a baby. I set all these expectations for myself that are just like bizarre now. And then through my own pregnancy journey, which was like, that's enough for another episode. It was a stressful, high risk pregnancy. I had to go on bed rest, essentially. I had a preemie baby who had open heart surgery, who has a disability, like It like my postpartum was literally just stress and survival and is my baby gonna make it (laughs) And like that was so my entire postpartum journey was literally in hospitals and pumping and it was not the breastfeeding journey I envisioned granted we made it two years of breastfeeding which I'm very happy about but just nothing was the way I envisioned it and so now that I've experienced it myself knowing like we don't have control over everything we think we do. And so it's really important that we just control the things we can control. So, our behaviors and our thoughts, and kind of let go of the rest and like let go of the expectations that your body needs to look a certain way after a baby. Even like the birth experience, you know, it's great to have a birth plan. It's great to go in knowing what you want. But at the end of the day, you only have so much control over what's going to happen. And so, just saying, This is what I would love to happen, but at the end of the day, I just want me and the baby to be healthy. Um, that's really all you can, you know, you still don't have very much control. It's kind of bizarre.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, hearing you you talk and reflecting even on my own journey with pregnancy, it it's forced me to look at my diet and my exercise in a whole new way because I'm not trying to physically change my body at this point, you know, I'm exercising to feel better and alleviate some of the discomforts, but I'm not going to lose weight while I'm exercising right now. So that I've been really thankful for in this pregnancy because I've learned all that, you know, how exercise makes me feel, how eating certain nutrients makes me feel, um, you know, and just hoping that I keep that with me in my postpartum journey and not worry so much about that bounce back mentality
1: yeah I I was having a really good conversation with one of my clients and she we were talking about the difference between postpartum and pregnancy and she said you know I didn't mind gaining weight when I was pregnant because that's what society expected of me but she said the moment I gave birth it was like this burden on me of oh my gosh now I have this I have this thing on my plate that I have to I have to focus on the baby weight I have to do this you know, and as a new mom, you have so many things on your plate, like trying to keep this kid alive and like, you know, it, it just, it becomes less of a, of, a, of a priority as it should. But um, I think the biggest difference is just society standard, right? And like when we're doing workouts, when we're pregnant, it's, it, it's like, yeah, it makes us feel good. It's so good for our mental health and we do realize the benefits, but a lot of times it's hard for women to carry those benefits over. Like, a lot of times, it then the moment they birth, they hit this six weeks postpartum, mentally it shifts for them. And a lot of times they think, oh, now I'm only doing this to lose the weight. And they don't listen to their body. They don't say, what exercise sounds good for me today? Or what food sounds good for me today? They just, like, do it because that's what they think they need to do. And so I think the biggest shift is society's expectations on women. There's, like, a lot of work to do there. But, yeah, exactly. And that's how I felt, too. I mean... I've had a healthy relationship with exercise for years, but it definitely wasn't always healthy. Um, And a lot of times, those of us who love exercise, sometimes we can get trapped in that of pushing our bodies too far um, for reasons that aren't necessarily like, we're not listening to our bodies. We're not listening to the signs that we need to slow down or stop or stretch or rest. Um, So I think it's really important that if women are finding this in pregnancy, To just pay close attention once they give birth that they're still honoring their body in those in those ways
0: That's such a good point. I love that you brought that up and kind of going along with that like pushing yourself too hard You talk a lot on your page and on your podcast about you know Your approach to coaching doesn't involve Cutting carbs or counting points or you know a lot of these diet culture things that have become so popular um So what is your approach to coaching? What does that look like and? especially with the women that you work with that maybe are coming from backgrounds like that, how do you kind of shift that mindset with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing where I would say almost all of my clients have been a Weight Watchers, so that's like the number one thing that they have in common is Weight Watchers, my Fitness pal, Noom. Those are typically the most common things, and they come to me saying, I've tried this for years and it worked right away. And then I gained all the weight back for more. And I mean, studies show that 95% of diets end in the person gaining all the way back for more. And like you and I know quick weight loss is not sustainable typically. And so, um, my approach is definitely built on sustainable, healthy habits. So I have clients who, Our workout instructors and they love moving their bodies but i have clients who are menopausal and they don't like to do a lot of movement they don't they (laughs) they don't like what i call a joyful movement (laughs) um so i have clients on all ends of the spectrum and it's so important to meet the client where they're at and know that yes movement improves our health but that's going to look different for everybody so somebody may find running as like a joyful movement and somebody else may find running as um just not a fun thing to do. I would be in that category. <laughs> and, and so it's all about finding something that you enjoy and feels sustainable. So something I always ask clients is, whenever you embark on anything new, like maybe it's drinking more water, ask yourself, is this something I can sustain forever? And usually the answer is, oh yeah, well I can drink more water for the rest of my life. That's That feels sustainable. Okay, now that's a habit we're going to build. Same with movement. Movement's going to look very different in different seasons of life. But as long as it's something that you enjoy and you're gonna to wanna to continue doing long-term, then that's that's sustainable. Same thing with food. So my approach with gentle nutrition and intuitive eating is eating protein, carbs, and fats at most meals together so that your blood sugar stays balanced and so that you have enough energy throughout the day to feel your best. So the issue I see for a lot of women is they're under eating a lot of women come to me. They've been eating 1200 calories a day. Their metabolism has slowed way, way down. They're so scared to eat fats. They're so scared to eat carbs, which carbs are fruits, vegetables, and grains. Like we should not be scared of carbs. Um, and so a lot of it is just practicing like calling foods good and bad and and practicing like eating a snack and adding foods in and seeing how they feel. Everybody's going to be different. You know, I have some clients that love certain fruits and some clients that hate those fruits. Like I would never design a meal plan and tell somebody you need to eat this on this day and this on this day. It's just really, the guidelines are just, you know, aim to eat a protein carbon fat together most meals because you're likely going to feel your best. And once they do it, they're like, Oh wow, this, this is great. I feel so, I feel so good. I'm not having cravings. I'm not binging at night. That's like the biggest thing. I'm not emotionally eating all the time. I'm learning how to cope with my emotions rather than turning to food. I mean, there's so much there, but definitely the intuitive eating and, you know, health at every size is the approach I follow and um, those books are really somewhere to start if somebody's listening to this and has nowhere to start, like read those two books.
0: Yeah, and I mean, focusing so much on how the food makes you feel, I mean, it gives you control over your choices. Do you find with some of your clients cuz I know you mentioned that they get a lot better with the binging at night? Um, but do you find that some of them kind of struggle at the beginning with like finding that fine line of, okay, I restricted this food forever, but now you're telling me I don't have to restrict it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's called habituation. So a lot of my clients, like cookies are probably the most common thing I hear, is I'm scared to eat cookies because whenever cookies are in the house, I binge the whole thing. So we set them up for success. So an example would be, okay, we're gonna have lunch, we're gonna have dinner, you know, and at these meals you're gonna have a protein, carb and a fat, so you're still gonna eat throughout the day so your energy is balanced. And then you're gonna have a cookie with dinner or you're gonna have a cookie with lunch. Um, you can have a cookie with breakfast, lunch and dinner. You can have 10 cookies a day, there's no limit. But the, the thing is you have to sit down and, and actually pay attention to the bites you're eating, sit down at the table, without distractions and enjoy it and say, huh, okay, this is still good. I'm gonna keep eating it. And then you're gonna hit a point, there's like this threshold bite it's called, where you hit a point point. you're like, this isn't this isn't that good anymore. Like I'm kind of over this. And that's where you wanna say, okay, I'm gonna put it away for now and I can come back to it. Um, the other thing is so many people binge on the cookies or binge on the things because they're not eating enough during the day and their body's trying to catch up. So that that's the physical restriction part, but really the mental restriction part is You actually have to buy those foods and keep them in your house every day until you feel like you can trust yourself around those foods, and that's scary. I mean, it's terrifying to do, but I had a client to that with chocolate, and then three days later, she's like, I was hungry, and I grabbed an orange. She's like, it was the weirdest thing. (laughs) I just, she's like, I knew I could have chocolate, and it was there, but I just didn't want it anymore. Yeah. I mean, it takes different amounts of time for different people, too. Like, it's not like this one food is gonna be in two days, so every food's going to be in 2 days. I mean, habituation definitely takes a different amount of times.
0: But it's so true that once you allow yourself to have it or have it in the house, like it doesn't have that like shiny aspect anymore of I can't have it, I can't have it and I want it. You kind of realize like I didn't want it that bad, you know, and that's actually a conversation with some of my um, nutrition coaching that I've had with people is, okay, let's really talk about, because you talk about that you eat all this junk food, quote unquote, what are those foods that you actually really, truly enjoy? And they kind of sit and think about it and they're like, well, there's really actually only a few, you know, whereas I thought it was like my entire day. I'm not actually even enjoying those foods. I'm just eating them out of convenience. So that's actually a really good point to just kind of give yourself that control, but also be intentional and mindful about it. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, changing gears a little bit, you've talked a little bit about the postpartum journey. And I know that you offer um, postpartum guides for nutrition. And you shared a few like tidbits at the beginning of the podcast as well. But what would your be your biggest tips for moms or moms-to-be that are just approaching this postpartum journey as far as, you know, their nutrition and their health?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing with, like, my postpartum guide, the, the main thing is really talking about not under-eating as women, especially as postpartum moms. So, really, I don't... Agree with counting calories, but postpartum moms really should never dip um, below 800 calories a day. And I hear all the time, "Well, I'm petite, so I don't need that many," or "I'm not breastfeeding, so I don't need that many." Postpartum in general, your body is healing, so the biggest mistake I see is women not eating enough. So that's the number one thing in the guide. Um, another part of the guide that we talk about is water needs. So just sounds funny, but check your urine. And if your urine is light or clear, if you're doing a good job, you're hydrated. But if your urine is not, then you definitely need to hydrate. Um, when it comes to breastfeeding specifically, if you're pumping or nursing, you will feel this insane hunger that you've never felt before (laughs) and insane thirst that you've never felt before. And that's totally normal. That's your body's way of saying like, I need to eat, I need fuel. Um, but a lot of times we get scared by that and we're like, Ooh, I I don't know if that's normal. I don't want to overdo it. I don't really trust myself, but it's normal for women to need, like, depending on how often you're breastfeeding, Up almost 3,000 calories a day, which is insane because we have been told all of our lives to eat 1,200, which is definitely not enough. So those are the main things um, on the guide, and then same thing with the meal and snacks. So for meals, like really aiming to get a protein, carb, and fat at your meals, and then for snacks, if you're a nursing mom, especially um, most nursing moms are eating two to three snacks a day and they don't have to be huge snacks but typically doing like a carb with a fat or a carb with a protein or a protein with a fat something like that is going to be your best bet just in terms of giving you the energy you need so um those are probably the biggest takeaways from there is the hydration eating enough and then of course when you're cleared to move from your doctor it's important to start slow and give yourself grace and and really you know ask yourself what you need is if it's nice out like do you just need an hour walk by yourself or like pushing the stroller for an hour? Like it's really important to actually ask yourself what you enjoy and, and making sure that you're not pushing your body to that limit. That's really painful or uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. I think, I, I knew, I've heard about the hunger postpartum, especially with breastfeeding, and it's funny. My husband's very used to me being a regular eater, especially in pregnancy, keeping up with, you know, my meals, but I brought up to him the other day, like, it's pretty common for women to have, like, a snack on the nightstand as they're breastfeeding. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, no, really. <laughs> um yeah. So... It'll be it'll be interesting. Now, with the Diet Riders membership that you do with your co-host, is that something that is typically for postpartum moms or do you guys have like kind of a wide range of women that you work with?
1: It's a wide range of women. I mean, I would say most of the women are probably in their thirties, but we have some college students in there. We have some women who, you know, are in college and young, and they don't have kids yet. And then we have women in there who are menopausal, and you know, they're so fun. Like they're so much fun. I love them. So the membership is definitely a wide variety of people. Um, But I would say, yeah, a majority of them are moms of young kids just because I'm sure, you know, Alyssa and I, that's who we're talking to on a majority of our posts. And then Alyssa, so Alyssa is my co-host of the podcast and she's my, uh, she's a co-founder of the membership and she really specializes with kids. So she is all about like cultivating a healthy relationship with food in your body in your house for your children. So she focuses on picky eating and how to prevent like, parents from um, like encouraging bad behaviors that could potentially like lead to body image issues or like feeling defensive at the table so anything related to like feeding toddlers that's totally that's totally her specialty Um, so that's kind of fun because she can really cover anything like that that comes up inside the membership Um, and then I can really cover on like the postpartum and breastfeeding aspect.
0: Okay that's really cool and it's like yeah you guys each bring something different to the table, but I would imagine that community that you guys have created, like it's probably a wealth of knowledge for them, but also such a great support system because you do have that range where, you know, people can find people that are going through something similar to them, but you guys all have that common goal of, you know, that self-love and the intuitive eating journey and all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. I think the biggest reason why we started a membership, um, was because we knew that not everybody can afford one-to-one coaching, right? Like it's not, it's, it's not a light investment and I mean, it's totally worth it, but I realized not everybody can, can afford that. And then the other piece is a lot of clients were just saying like I really want to know I'm not alone on this journey and so all of my clients they are in the membership they get all the access to the membership um and so I think the biggest thing for them that's helpful is knowing like I'm not alone you know everything I'm going through somebody else is going through and I think it's so powerful to to have that and that's something that Alyssa and I wished we had on our journey and we did it on our own even as registered dietitians it was so confusing and we were so wrapped up in dieting and culture and i mean it took us years to like realize that we were still in it like without knowing it i mean i was doing pull 30 thinking i was mentally <laughs> intuitive back um so and i mean that was like 4 years ago and so it, i mean it just took us so long and we're like how can we speed up this process for people what what's going to work and that's when we realized like okay this membership model works because it's slow progress like so slow sustainable progress each week um so they can see results again it's not a quick fix it's not an overnight fix but you know after six months you can look back and say whoa this is all of the the progress I've made which is huge
0: yeah and I would imagine you know for you and Alyssa even it's a great community for you guys to have you know, for yourselves, as much as you've learned, it's great to have those other women to kind of lean on. So for you, you know, as a mom of your own and doing all of this, how do you prioritize your own self-care and, you know, continuing to kind of live through the intuitive eating and the self-love? Yeah.
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is, I realized the first year I wasn't asking for help. And that was, you know, it was putting a strain on our marriage as well of just, I was trying to do it all. I was trying to juggle it all. And I, I hit a breaking point and I like cried to my husband and said, I, I need help with this, this, and this, I'm losing it. And and that's when he was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize it. And so I think, first of all, having open communication on where you're struggling is, is huge because men especially, like they don't, they're not mind readers. They don't understand necessarily where our minds are at. They don't understand the load that we carry as women and as moms. So I think having, having that open dialogue was probably the best thing for our marriage and for self-care. And then, you know, I get movement in every day. So typically it's by walking the dog outside or doing yoga before bed. I'm waiting for my stupid Peloton. It's like been months but eventually when that comes, I can, bike between clients, you know, if I have an hour of downtime, I can do my bike ride or work. Yeah. So I've definitely been mixing it in, but it's different every day. And even like in terms of meal planning and cooking, like my husband does a lot. He does the grocery shopping. He does the cooking. Like, um, so I think just asking for help is probably the biggest form of self-care and then ironing out like a specific time of day that's yours. So like, you know, before bed, if I'm doing stretching or yoga and then meditation, like that's my own time or if I take a bath. So I really designate it. Now when you work from home, it's nice because then you can just adjust your schedule Mm -hmm. and get outside when you want to and, and those types of things. But yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard doing it, but I think, um, I think a lot of moms think that it's selfish. Like they feel selfish or guilty for asking for help or for saying I need 30 minutes to, work out, but I think it's, like, the best thing you can do for yourself, and you're going to be a better mom and spouse and, and friend if you actually give yourself that time every day.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, you know, like, shifting it so the mindset is that it's it's for your self-care and so that you can show up for other people. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was struggling with exercise, like, and try, and just doing it to physically manipulate my body it was like a thing I had to do and I had to do it first thing in the morning and if I didn't do it then it was just shot for the day whereas now similarly to you it's just kind of like where can I fit it in where do I have those 30 minutes free or you know the dog has to get out for a walk anyways so let's make it a good walk around the neighborhood and I think that shift probably helps where it's I'm just doing it for my own self-care I'm not doing it to Lose weight or look a certain way, so I'll just do it when I can. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly, and you do it because you know it feels good, and that's like the difference. Is so many clients come to me with that all-or-nothing mentality of. I can only work out if it's an hour a day and I have to sweat if I don't sweat it's not worth it and it's like no 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 there's so many benefits to walking and there are so many benefits to stretching and yeah usually walking and stretching is like where we start it's like okay let's get this in and then if you want to push yourself further go for it but right. you know if you can just get steps in of physically getting outside especially like getting vitamin d and getting outside there's so much there in terms of stress relief and and changing our mood and energy, it's wild how how much that'll affect like your blood sugar and your oh yeah and like just walking outside yeah can, you know helps so many things
0: yeah absolutely well I'm really looking forward to just continuing to follow you and now Alyssa too just with all that knowledge that you guys bring to postpartum beyond postpartum you know things for toddlers things for kids so I think that'll be not only selfishly great for me but also for listeners so as we kind of wrap up why don't you share um where people can find you on social media I know you have the podcast as well and the membership
1: Yeah, thank you. So we have the Diet Riot Podcast and you can listen to that wherever you can find podcasts. And then our account for the membership is at Diet.rioters and the membership's open right now so you can join at any time. Um and this is definitely the way to start. So if you've ever you're kind of diving into this journey, I would recommend starting the membership or even like Caroline, if you've had clients who you're like I'm good but I just need some maintenance like it's a great place to send people who've already worked with like a nutrition coach or Mm -hmm. they've like done a lot of work on themselves but they just need that maintenance piece or they just want the community piece that can be really really beneficial um so that's a great place to start and then i offer one-to-one coaching and i actually today just opened up doors for group coaching so i'm going to be taking on five women at a time keeping it really small because i want to make sure that everybody gets their questions answered on every call and so that they still feel like they're getting the specialized support they need but also so that they can hear from other women and say oh okay She's struggling with that, too. Oh, she is, too. Okay, I'm in the right place. (laughs) I think that's why the group model works so well. So I'm really excited to start small group coaching. And then, yeah, I think I have one spot open for one-to-one, and then now five spots open for the group, and that's going to be starting first week of March.
0: Okay, great. So I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes so that people can give you guys a follow and look more into that membership. That's a great idea, actually. But
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, and I forgot my handle. (laughs) handle Oh, yeah, yours. um, That for my one-to-one and group coaching is at mama.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Health Without Limits podcast. You guys know that I appreciate your support more than anything and really love having this outlet to just share my voice too. Don't forget to reach out to me on social media so that we can connect. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Both of those will be in the notes section of this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one.